0: Have you ever had the feeling something is missing? Not your phone or your car keys, something more significant. If the past year has caused you to feel lonely, powerless, or without a plan or purpose, there is hope. The answer is right in front of you. But you may need to change your perspective or shuffle your priorities to see it. Scripture tells us what life is all about and what might be missing in ours. It is good to be together. And if you haven't been to church in a while and you are here, whether you are on-site or online, welcome. I am thankful you are here. And if maybe this past year and the pandemic and online church has just been sort of a way that you have kind of drifted away and now you are back, I am so thankful that you are here. And it is my prayer that you will be blessed by being here, whether on-site or online, And that your your faith will be energized. And that maybe today will be an opportunity to re-engage with God and with God's people. And so it is good to be together. If you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to spend some time in Ephesians 1 and also chapter 3 today. Well, obviously, many in the world are focused on the resurrection of Jesus today. And for that, we give thanks. Anytime people are talking about, thinking about, focused on Jesus, that is a good thing. And so we join the millions of other voices in declaring what that messenger of God, that angel said to the Marys that early Sunday morning. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Amen, church? It's okay to say amen. No one's going to kick you out. We're not going to charge more in the offering. You can say it. And if there's something that we should amen, it is the fact that Jesus is no longer in the tomb, that he arose. And so it is a good thing for us to celebrate that fact. We aren't here today because the economy or the stock, stock market has risen. We aren't here because it's springtime and temperatures are rising. We aren't here even Because more and more people are being vaccinated and those numbers are rising. We are here. You know where I'm going with this. We are here because Jesus has risen. That's why we are here. And that historical fact and that wonderful theological truth is at the core, the very center of all that we are and all that we do. As we said earlier, the resurrection is the symbol of God's power in our world. But it's not just a symbol of God's power. I think it's the gateway to God's power in your own life, in my life. The power that raised Jesus is accessible, available to each and every one of us. That's what I want you to understand today. That's what I think God wants wants you to embrace today. And what that means for your life moving forward. So let me ask you, is there, could there be a more disturbing, a more frightening image in all of the universe than this? (laughs) Right? One company has come up with something, this condition they call low battery anxiety. Anybody suffer from low battery anxiety? Well, according to their research, they say that 9 out of 10 people suffer from low battery anxiety. I guess the 10th person couldn't fill out the survey because their battery was dead. I don't... I don't know but I think it's a real thing and some of you know this firsthand you get that warning 20 percent battery you're like okay well that's that's not good but I got time I got plenty of power left and then you get that other warning 10 percent and full panic sets in you start sweating must find charger must find charger need more power right everything else goes out the window I got to plug my phone in <laughs> that becomes the most important thing now, many airports today, they have lots of charging stations and places, but, but back in the day, and even some airports still, you'd walk through the airport, you'd see a random plug on the wall, and what would you see? <laughs> Just everything plugged into it. Someone's laptop, five phones. I mean, the, the plug looked like Clark Griswold's basement plug when he's putting up Christmas lights. You know what I'm talking about? Everything plugged into this thing, and people laying beside it, lying beside it, plugged their, uh, their, their devices in. We want that power we need that power most of us know what it's like to lose power on our devices some of us know what it's like to panic when that happens but how many of us know how many of us realize that we are trying to live our lives without the greatest power that is available the power that defies the laws of nature the power that this universe cannot construct on its own, the power that is available to you from God? How many of us go through our lives missing out on God's power, the power that raised Jesus to life? And so as you think about your life, you think about taking a spiritual inventory, is it possible that you are missing out on God's power? Is it possible that you're trying to go about life With your own strength and power. And if that's the case, my guess is you are pretty exhausted that you're tired. Especially given what's happened over the past year. It has been exhausting, hasn't it? In many ways it has. And when we try to go with our own power, with our own strength, we will continually find ourselves to be exhausted. And God says, I have power for you. It's available. So in Ephesians 1, Paul has a prayer. He has a prayer for those early Christians in the first century, but I think by extension it is a prayer for us as well. I want you to notice what he prays. Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, Paul says. Verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul begins this letter like he does many of his letters with personal greetings and with prayers. And here specifically he prays for something. He prays that they, and again I think by extension us, would have this spirit or a spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that what? Verse 17, so that we may know him better. So that we may know God better. God wants you to know him. He already knows you. He knows you well. He created you. I'm sure you've heard that that God knows how many hairs are on your head now for some the count doesn't take as long as others but God knows you but that's not the end of the story he wants you to know him discipleship is not about following a program it is about following Jesus the knowledge that Paul talks about here about knowing him better. This knowledge is not simply a a brain knowledge, a book knowledge. It is a heart knowledge. It is a relationship, knowing God, knowing Christ. An understanding of Jesus that extends beyond the these and thous and the do's and don'ts. Why do you read God's word We don't spend time in Scripture to know all the answers. We spend time in Scripture to know God. As one well-known 20th century English preacher said, our supreme need is to know God. God wants you to know him, and that's what Paul prays here for those Christians, and again, for us, that we would know him better, that we would have this, this spirit of wisdom, And revelation to know Him better. And having this knowledge of God, this relationship with God, it means something. And so Paul continues in his prayer that you have this wisdom, this revelation, so that you know Him better, so that you will know what He provides you. You will know what it means to be in relationship with God through Christ, that there are certain things that you have, that you possess. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What does Paul say there? He is praying for us. And in this prayer, he says, once you begin to know God, you begin to understand what God has in store for you, what God has for you, the life he created you to live. Specifically, he talks about three different things. First, he says, the hope to which you were called, the hope in which he called us. Do you understand the hope that you have in Christ? Your life is not empty. Your future is not futile you have a hope that transcends your circumstances. No matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on in your life, there is something better coming. There is something to hang on to. There is hope. Don't ever forget that. Whatever's happening in your life, don't lose the hope that you have in Christ. Secondly, he says you have The riches of his glorious inheritance. The riches of his glorious inheritance. You see, in Christ, you and I have been made children of God. And as children of God, we are heirs. He has an inheritance for us. Eternal life. He has something better than than what we have now. We look forward to his inheritance But it's not only coming later, it's happening now as he pours out blessing into our lives and provision into our lives. And then what's the third thing he says? This incomparably great power. This incomparably great power for us who believe. Do you notice there how he stacks up adjectives? It's it's incomparably great. He will go on to say his mighty strength. We sing about God's power and his might and his strength. But here we need to understand that it's not just something we acknowledge, it is something that we experience. Paul says, I want you to know that you have this power in your life. Well, what kind of power is this? What are we talking about here? How much power? Paul gives a frame of reference, doesn't he? verse 19 and 20 he says it is the same power that brought jesus out of that grave the same power that god exerted when he brought jesus to life you see it is the power that defied the laws of the universe it is a power that people cannot manufacture it is a power that we can't always get our minds around I mean, think about the power it took to breathe life into someone who was dead. And not just to raise him back to life, but you remember what Paul said? He seated him at the right hand of God. Jesus didn't die again. He reigns. He lives eternal. That is power. And that's the power that he says is available to us. The power that moved that stone away is the same power that can move mountains in your life. The power that emptied the tomb is the same power that can fill your life. When we went to Israel a couple of years ago, we got to visit a site called the Garden Tomb. It is the site that most Protestants claim as the place where Jesus was buried and resurrected. It is right outside the Damascus Gate of the old Jerusalem. And there's a beautiful garden there, flowers, foliage everywhere, trees. It's just beautiful there. And there is this this tomb, this grave, cut out of the rock. It was discovered in 1867, but obviously it dates back much, much farther than that. There's even a little ridge in front of the tomb where a stone could be put as a lid for the grave. We walked inside this tomb. And inside, it's, it's very small. I, I don't know really what I was expecting, but it was, it was small. And you can see there's some writing on the wall discovered around the 5th or 6th century, basically declaring Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And as I stood inside that tomb, the very tomb that could have been the place where Jesus was laid to rest... I wondered what it was like that day. And I remember stepping out of that tomb very deliberately, stepping out into the bright daylight of the day, thinking Jesus may have done the very same thing in that very same spot. Right outside that tomb is a sign, a sign quoting Romans 1 verse 4. Jesus Christ declared with power as the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. You see, 2,000 years ago, God's power was on display. It brought Jesus out of that tomb. And that's the same power that is available, that is accessible for you. It takes a lot of power to split an atom. It takes a lot of power to launch a spacecraft into the universe. My guess is it takes a lot of power to fuel a nation. But none of those, none of those even come close to the power it took God. Or the power that God exerted when he brought Jesus out of that grave. And Someone says, okay, I understand that was great power. And one day that same power will be used to bring me back to eternal life. And that's what we read in 1 Corinthians 6, 14. By the power God raised Jesus from the grave, he will raise us up also. And that's true. But I don't think that's the whole story. I think there's more to the story. God's power doesn't just raise us up to eternal life one day. It raises us up this day. To abundant life so just two chapters later in Ephesians Paul will again offer a prayer this beautiful doxology of praise to God but also in this prayer he reveals something about God's power in our lives Ephesians 3 verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine according to his what his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory, and in the church, and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What does he say there? He says, God's power is available to work in your life to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. Do you understand that? Well, it's tough. It's tough for us to get our minds around that. We live in such a A visible, observable, explainable world, rational world. And sometimes this kind of rocks our world a little bit. We don't know what to do with it. But Paul says, You have this power that can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. Well, sometimes it doesn't feel that way, Paul. Sometimes I feel more powerless than powerful. Can you relate? If you're hearing this and you're thinking, that's just a bunch of Easter Sunday hype. That's just a bunch of church propaganda. When I look at my life and the experiences of my life and I compare them to what you are saying, it doesn't match up. Have you ever stopped to wonder why you fail to access God's power? Why you fail to see God's power? Have you ever stopped and wondered why? Why don't I have this power I read about? Well, go back, I, th- I, think, I think Paul gives us a little answer here. Go back to verse 18 of chapter 1. Do you remember what he prayed? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Some versions say illuminated. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or illuminated so that you can know that you have these things, this hope, this inheritance, this power. I think part of the reason why we don't, have or experience the power of God, why we don't see it is because there's something shielding the eyes of our hearts. And maybe we're simply looking with these eyes. You know, these eyes can be bad. We can have poor vision, poor eyesight. I have one of my eyes that's just, it's, one eye is great. It's like 20-20. The other eye is not good. You know, some people have a lazy eye. I have a very underachieving eye. I don't know. It just, I can't see very well with that one eye. You know, on my phone, young people make fun of me because my text size on the text message, you know, it's set really pretty big, so I can see it. It's like the large print Bible. I see their phones, and it's so small, it's like, is that a two-point font? I can't, even, I can't even tell those are words. And they like to make fun of me. Yeah, well, there's also an app that plays a really high-pitched sound. Old people can't hear it. I bet you can't hear it. I can hear it. I haven't played it yet. Well, Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we can't see very well, right? Many of us are wearing contacts or glasses to help us see. What about the eyes of our heart? I think we struggle to see the power of God. Our hearts grow dull to the reality of God in this world and the power of his spirit at work in our world. Why does that happen? I think there are multiple reasons. Let me give give you three. I'm sure there are more. But let me give you three reasons why sometimes the eyes of our hearts need to be enlightened or illuminated. We struggle to see and experience the power of God. One is because we're blinded by sin. We can't see God's power because we're wrestling with another power, the power of sin and Satan. And he has a hold of us. And maybe it's a secret sin like deceit or infidelity or lust or pride. And we spend and exert so much power and strength trying to control it, trying to hide it, trying to manage it, that we don't have time to see God's power. We can't release it. Maybe we're comfortable with it. Or maybe it's a, it's a more socially acceptable sin. Whatever it is, sin is a barrier. It's a shield blocking the eyes of our heart so that we fail to see the power of God. Secondly, sometimes we're just numbed by monotony. We can't experience the power of God to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine because simply we never ask or imagine. We keep doing what we've done. We keep thinking what we thought. We keep saying what we said. And we miss out on God's power. We reduce the Christian life to to maybe living with a few Bible ethics and, and showing up for church on Sunday. We limit what God can do to what he did in the time of the Bible. We never explore the mystery of God or embrace the spirit of God. We have asked all the questions and we've come up with all the answers and we package them in a nice little diagram or plan. And maybe sometimes we don't allow ourselves to see the power of God because, quite frankly, we are afraid. We are afraid of the power of God. So if I can just contain it, if I can just control it, if I can just explain it, then I don't have to face that fear of something much, much bigger than me. You know, it's interesting, the word, the Greek word used here is the same word that we get the word dynamite. And we want to control dynamite. We want to put safety around dynamite, don't we? Obviously. Sometimes we try to do that with God's power. Explain everything away. Limit the power of God to a certain time. Listen, you can't control or contain the power of God. A power that transcends anything that we can manufacture, you're not controlling that. You're not containing that. And so rather than trying to suppress the power of God, why don't we put it on full display for the world to see so they will be drawn to him? Third, sometimes the eyes of our hearts are shielded from God's power because we are disillusioned by darkness. We look around this world and we see so much evil. We see what feels like Satan and his troops gaining ground in our world. And we talk about the culture and we talk about this and we say every time I turn on the TV, every time I go to social media, this is what I see. And it looks like there is so much evil, so much hatred, and so much that Satan is doing in our world. One of the versions of verse 18 says that our hearts might be flooded with light. And I think for many of us, especially over this past year, our hearts have been flooded with many forms of darkness and we are exhausted and we feel powerless and yet because we look around and we see so much of the evil powers at work we fail to see God's limitless power available to us so let's get real practical what does it mean to have to experience to embody the power of God in our lives. What does that look like? I think for many of us, the temptation is, I would love to have God's power because it would make me more successful, it would make me happier, it would make me maybe uh, richer. God's power in your life is to accomplish God's purpose for your life. That's an important thing that we need to remember. God's power for your life is not... To accomplish your own purpose but his purpose and so I got to thinking about that and opened up the word and said okay what what does God's power do in our lives to accomplish his purpose and I came up with five or six things here now this is not an exhaustive list but I think it gets us started the power over sin the power over death the power to Change or transform us. I mean, think about your own life. Maybe someone you know, and you look at their life or you look at your life and you go, God's power is strong because, I mean, look at the transformation that's happened. The power to endure, the power to overcome, the power to witness to a watching world, the power to share your faith. Again, there, we could go on and on. And so here's what I would encourage you to do look at this list, add to it. Maybe Tonight, maybe later this week, spend some time in our sermon discussion resources. Watch the conversation starter video. Gather some people up, maybe family, maybe friends, maybe some in your Bible class, maybe online, maybe in person, and and walk through some of these questions. There's a discussion guide included, but specifically spend some time here on this list of things God's power working in your life and look up those scriptures and explore what it means to have this power in our lives to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You see, the truth is we can't do these things on our own. On our own, we have no power over sin. We have no power over death. We have really little power to change who we are. And that's one of the great paradoxes of the kingdom of God. It's only until we come to the end of our power and begin to acknowledge a greater power, a higher power, God's power, that change begins to happen. The power that emptied the tomb is the same power that can fill your life. You can remember that phrase. Don't ever forget it. The power that emptied the tomb is the same power that can fill your life every day. A couple of weeks ago, Carrie Ann and I were out on O.C.'s campus, and we saw this peculiar, peculiar little tree that it just got our attention. Obviously, the ice storm that we had wreaked havoc on this tree. You zoom in, you can see a little bit better, maybe. I think the ice storm sheared off the top of it and chopped off its biggest branch, There are some wounds there. There are some scars there. And yet, what do you see? You see this little twig of a branch growing out. And I don't know if you can tell in the picture, but there's these little blossoms, these little buds on that little twig of a branch. Yes, there is destruction. There is impending death, it seems. And yet, there is new life. There is new hope. Isn't that the story of the resurrection? So much pain, so much sorrow, so much destruction, so much of what people thought would be death, and yet there was new life and new hope. Isn't that our story as well? Maybe over this past year, you have some wounds. Maybe in your lifetime, you have some scars. And yet, that doesn't mean death. New life can emerge. New hope can emerge by the power of God. When we were at the garden tomb just outside old Jerusalem, it was a wonderful occasion. We got to to celebrate a very special communion service together right outside what very well could have been the tomb of Jesus. And as we sat down around the beautiful flowers, in this wonderful garden, ivy-covered archways, cobblestone paths. We sat down to have this very special communion service, and I heard singing. And I couldn't really see because of all the plants and trees, but I could hear it, singing coming from a group who were also in the garden. I don't know if it was a group of students, I don't know if it was a church group, but they were singing, and they were singing in Spanish. And so I didn't really get all the words, but I quickly knew the tune. They were singing, Because He Lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future. Life is worth the living just because He lives. You see, it was the power of God displayed in our world that brought Jesus out of that tomb. It is the same power that he wants to make available to your life. And because he lives, life is worth the living. And it's not just a life eternal someday. It is an abundant life now that can be yours. Don't you want God's power at work in your life, to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. Receive it. Let the eyes of your heart be opened to what God is doing, to the reality of God in our world. And so whatever that means for you, have the faith to do it. If we can help you in some way, let us do that. If you're at home, reach out to us on our website, edmundchurchofchrist.com. Go to that prayer page. If you're here today, Make your need known, or maybe you're ready to commit your life to Christ, to put Jesus on in baptism, as Michael talked about earlier, to be raised just as Jesus was raised, to be raised out of the water to live a new life with a new purpose, a new hope, and new power. If that's the case for you, we'd love to celebrate with you. If there's something we can do, we invite you to come as we together stand and sing.